Hello, welcome back to True Crime Chronicles podcast. I am Lindsay, and the episode today is going to be a little bit different than what I normally do, but it's something that I really wanted to address, and that is the character letter that was written by Ashton Kutcher for leniency for Danny Masterson. Now, all of the letters that were written are awful, right? They're shitty, and it sucks that we had to hear them, right? And those were, you know, other letters from Mila Kunis, Giovanni Ribisi, his, Giovanni Ribisi's sister, Red and Kitty from that 70s show, who were the parents, William Baldwin, who is married to China Phillips, who is the sister of Danny's wife, Bijou Phillips. But, the one that I really like took issue with is the one from Ashton. That's the one I want to address for a specific reason. And that's because I hold him to a bit of a higher standard than the others. And the reason that I hold him to a higher standard is because in 2012, Ashton and his ex-wife Demi Moore co-founded an organization called Thorn. And from what I've seen the past 11 years is that Ashton is very personally involved in this organization, which for me, you know, makes the letter that he wrote a a huge problem. Now, Ashton testified February 15th of 2017 in front of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Now, If you're not familiar with Thorn, they are an organization focused on developing new technologies to combat online sexual abuse and trafficking. And he testified in front of the Senate to discuss his organization and the problems that, you know, online trafficking have. And they're in our country, right? And so they need to be addressed. And that's what his organization is doing. In 2014, They prototyped a product to aid in identifying child sex trafficking victims who were sold online, as most of them are. And Thorne now houses the first engineering and data science team that focuses solely on developing new technologies to combat online sexual abuse. So they're able to quickly assess whether new technologies that come out can be repurposed to protect children from sexual exploitation. They use kind of three strategies for that. Accelerating victim identification, equipping whatever the platform is that they're using, and empowering the public, right? And it's working. As of their 2022 impact report, almost 28,000 kids have been identified and saved from human trafficking. It's, it's an amazing organization. And Ashton is the face of it. I've never seen Demi do an interview or testify or even mention the Thorn organization. And they were co-founders. So he is dedicated over a decade to protecting people from the type of, of abuse that he is asking the judge to overlook and provide leniency for. Because it's his friend. Right? Well, maybe. But 
with it being his friend, is that a good enough reason to ask the judge to help keep a dangerous predator on the street? I, I don't know. No, I get that they're friends, right? They've been friends a long time. But if a friend of mine was convicted of forcible rape on multiple women by drugging them, I don't know that I'm going to write a letter for him that makes him sound like God's best friend, right? Like he's God's right hand doing work on earth. No way. And that's what it sounded like. That's what they all sounded like. But I did see a post that was made by Chrissy Bixler. I saw it yesterday. Um, that was, I'm going to say, slightly eye-opening. Now, Chrissy, if you don't know who she is, she is one of the three women that made the accusations that Danny was tried for. She is also the ex-girlfriend of Danny Masterson. They were together for five years and during the very beginning years of that 70s show. Now, on this post, Chrissy had screenshot um, a news coverage and it had Ashton and Mila's, you know, letters with a picture of both of them. So she kind of took a screenshot of that. And Chrissy wrote above the picture of Ashton and Mila. Dear Ashton, I know the secrets your role model keeps for you. Ones that would end you. Did you forget I was there? You were on speakerphone that night. You called Danny on February 21st, 2001. I heard everything. I heard the plan. In my opinion, you're just as sick as your mentor. Because he does refer to Danny as his mentor, I guess. Which he does in the letter, but apparently, I guess, in life he does also. She also addressed Mila. Dear Mila. I pray you begin to process what you experienced as a child on that set, referring to that 70s show. Your old interviews are very telling. I encourage everyone to watch them and decide for yourself what you hear and see. I also know what happened in Toronto and after. Question. If that's what you view as a normal relationship with a big brother, then I feel very sad for you and I hope you consider getting into therapy. You all must forget, I was there the whole time, those first five years of that 70s show, and I remember everything. Now, the February 21st, 2001 date that Chrissy is referencing, that is the date that Ashton's girlfriend, 22-year-old Ashley Ellerin, was brutally and violently murdered by... A man who was tagged the Hollywood Ripper, right? He is referenced as a serial killer. Now, I, I don't know what the requirements are to be labeled a serial killer. He did kill two women and he attempted one. His name is Thomas. I don't know how to say the last name. Gargiulo, maybe? Now, Ashley was a 22-year-old design student. She was set to go with Ashton that night to some type of Hollywood party or premiere. You know, something very Hollywood, right? I'm sure it would have been very fun. 
but Ashton was running late, according to him. He said that he knocked several times on the door, tried to open it. He said he figured she was mad at him for being late, and she had taken off, right? She left. A big fuck you because he was late. I don't know that she would do that, especially because it, it didn't seem like he was that late, and it was a big, like, Hollywood party. I, I probably could have dealt with you being 30 minutes late, but I don't know. Now, Ashton says he looked inside to see what he thought or assumed was spilled wine on the carpet. When, in fact, it was not spilled wine on the carpet. It was blood. And it was Ashley's blood. Now, he contacted police a little bit later in the investigation and told them his prints were on the doorknob and why they would be on there. And he did testify for the state against Thomas. Now, I believe that Thomas knew Ashley, right? There was a friend connection there. And he was into her. But she was dating Ashton, which he took as a rejection. And that's why he killed her was out of jealousy. So I do think that her and Thomas had maybe gone on like a date or a couple dates and... It wasn't working, so she sort of friend-zoned him. But it was working for him. It's like he did not feel a friend, you know, thing towards her. Apparently it was an obsession. And it's a very sad story, and it sucks. And I, I feel sorry for her family. But what does Ashley Ellerin and her murder have to do with Danny Masterson? Well, that's a good question because I don't know. I have no fucking idea what it has to do with Danny Masterson. Um, but clearly something because Chrissy specifically referenced that date and that Ashton had called Danny to formulate a plan of some type to deal with this situation. So what could have happened, right? Right. Was the door not locked? When he tried to turn it, did he open the door and go inside and saw that she was stabbed? I believe she was stabbed like 47 times. So it would have been pretty obvious, right, that she didn't fall and hit her head. That's not where the blood was coming from. Um, and then he just left, Right? Didn't report it. Nothing. Because maybe he thought he wouldn't be believed. He didn't want to be the one to say he found her. He was, you know, really up and coming in his career at the time. So maybe he just wanted as little part of this as possible. Or did he, you know, see through the window that, you know, she was dead. And he just said he thought, you know, the blood was wine. Right? Or... You could take it all the way down the rabbit hole, right? Like Alice in Wonderland style rabbit hole all the way down. And and say, did he see her getting murdered? And he ran away instead of helping because he didn't want to get hurt himself, right? Did he think that maybe he would be blamed or would it mess up his career? Did he want nothing? I don't know. But if all it is is... He called Danny, said, oh my God, 
you know, my girlfriend's been murdered. I found her. I'm terrified to tell the police. What do I do? And they just sort of formulate the plan that they did for him to lie about what he saw and, you know, make sure the police knew his prints were going to be there because he was there to pick her up. Is that shitty? Yeah. Is it something that would end him? No. No, I don't think so at all. He actually probably reacted, if that's the case, the way a lot of people would. Right? By fucking panicking and just getting the fuck up out of there. So, you know, if the plan she's referring to was just, okay, say it was wine, right? Yes, bro, got it, thank you, good looking, right? Whatever, something stupid like that. To me, that's that's not going to end anything honestly but who knows what she knows right and just a lesson for everyone else don't talk on a fucking speakerphone right especially when you're talking about shit like that just a little tip now as far as mila i believe one of the interviews she's referencing to is a 2002 rosie o'donnell interview where her and Ashton talk about a bet that was made between Danny Masterson and Ashton Kutcher. Mila said that Danny bet Ashton $10 to French kiss her on the show. Now, Mila was 14, right? She did lie about her age to get the role, but supposedly, allegedly, it was very well known between cast and crew that she was 14 and well under age so this was a very open secret apparently so ashton talks about in 1998 when that 70s show put their characters together as a couple ashton said they were told early on they'd be making out in certain scenes Ashton says, I'm thinking this is slightly illegal, right? Referring to Mila being underage and having to, you know, kiss her and things like that. So yes, yes, Ashton, that is slightly illegal. But he accepted the bet anyway. So Mila says, you know, it was like the first week. I was a 14-year-old little girl and I was extremely scared for my life. Again, Ashton was 19. Mila was 14. Mila continues to tell the story, saying, Danny goes, dude, I'll give you $10 if you French kiss her. And Ashton interrupted Mila real quick to say that she was making it sound worse than what it was. But Ashton then picked up the story where she left off and said Danny bet $20 that he wouldn't do it. Oh, man. Ashton said he told him he would, of course, shrugging his shoulders like it's no big deal. Now, Rosie looks continually uncomfortable, right? Like, this is not where she thought this was going to go, and she wouldn't be any part of this conversation. So, Rosie asks Mila if she blocked his tongue with her teeth. Mila said he never got his tongue in her mouth because she wouldn't let him 
Now, Ashton real quick disagreed and claimed that he did. And all I could think of was, dude, shut up. She probably saw or could tell the way that this interview was going and was trying to do some immediate damage control. But Ashton just could not stop bragging about traumatizing her as a 14-year-old. And I want to point out, taking her first kiss from her, something that's supposed to be like super special at that age, you know, something that's supposed to be organic with someone that you're into. But no, 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 no. He took that from her for 10 bucks. $10. Yeah. I don't know who's worse for that. Like Danny for suggesting and paying for it. Or Ashton for actually doing it. And I kind of have a question on where were the producers during all of this? I I just, I don't know. Now, what happened in Toronto that Chrissy referenced? I don't have any fucking clue. Um, but I can't imagine it's anything but just bad, right? So I couldn't find anything on Toronto. I don't know. In all honesty, it's probably not something I want to know. It, it just did not sound good. Now, what I noticed and took immediate notice of and what really bothered me was everyone's push in their letters about how anti-drug Danny was and how he mentored the younger cast. Although I don't know what mentor would make a bet with a grown man to assault a 14-year-old girl on camera in front of an entire cast and crew and knowing it was her first kiss so for that and many other reasons Mr. Masterson you suck but anyway I wonder if everyone got the same you know like talking points from his defense team um, for their character letters or suggestions if you will right because they all said generally the same thing especially the anti-drug push well no he didn't do the drugs he saved the drugs for his victims and i get the subliminal point that was trying to be made that he was so anti-drug he wouldn't dare have given them to his victims right to his victims and you guys got that part all wrong. Except that they didn't. They didn't get it wrong. And I'll be totally honest. You know, I am a victim myself of a violent rape and home invasion. And I, I did report immediately. And I understand that not everyone does, right? But I have always kind of side-eyed women who wait 20 plus years to come out and report against a celebrity. But I'll tell you why I don't in this case. And it's four words. The Church of Scientology. They were all members and longtime members who had been programmed to view things a certain way. Now, Masterson was a high-ranking member of the Church of Scientology. And the church rules 
ban members from reporting other members to law enforcement. So when the attacks were reported to the church, the women were told it was their fault and that they were required to give Masterson sex whenever he wants it. The women were put through ethics programs and warned against going to law enforcement. So, you know, some people say, well, you know, Scientology is not the police. Why would they go to them? And I get that, but in my opinion, Scientology is a cult, right? And I imagine since they were longtime members, they had been programmed for a very long time. That if anything happens, you go to your church, to your elders, to your people, whatever they call them in Scientology. And that's what they did to report another member, which apparently you don't do if it's a male, right? And rape doesn't exist. And just all this other horrible, horrible rules that they have. Anyway, I'm not going to get into a whole lot of Scientology. Now, I believe once a couple of them spoke with Leah Remini, uh, and a couple of them, I mean the victims, they felt safe enough to come forward and report what had happened. I know that Chrissy has reported that Scientologists have killed two of their dogs. The other victims have also been on the receiving end of Scientology stalking. Leah Remini is a very famous ex-Scientologist who actively speaks out against the Church of Scientology. So I imagine that it was reassuring for, reassuring for the victims to speak with someone who has dealt with the wrath of Scientology and the public and their view of her. That could be, in my opinion, what gave the women the strength to come forward. I am a big fan of Leah Remini. She's been put through it, coming out the way she has against Scientology, and she continues because she knows it's the right thing to do. Now, I'm not going to get into like a super involved explanation of Scientology. Most likely, if you're familiar with this case, you're familiar enough with Scientology and their practices, right? Now, besides the Rosie O'Donnell interview, um, a comment about Hillary Duff and the Olsen twins have also come out that is attributed to Ashton Kutcher. So, in 2003, on his MTV show Punked, where he played pranks on other celebrities, Hillary Duff was 15 at the time, Ashton was 25. When they did the movie Cheaper by the Dozen together, he played the boyfriend of her older sister in the movie. So Ashton gave Hillary an introduction when she appeared on his show, Punked. He referenced her Lizzie McGuire series, her album coming out, and their movie together, the Cheaper by the Dozen. He ended with, and she's one of the girls that we're all waiting to turn 18, along with the Olsen twins. Was that in bad taste? Yes, of course. Was he the only one who said that, especially about the Olsen twins? No. No. Now, I have seen Ashton and Mila's apology video, and I will say Ashton looks ran through it. 
on that video. He looks devastated and defeated and overall just, I don't know, maybe ashamed? I'm, I'm not sure. He sounds very upset to be thought of now in this way. Now, Mila, when she spoke, sounded more mad, just slightly with a more aggressive tone. And I do know that they are both actors. I get that. But I do believe that Ashton is very upset by all of this. I feel like he's more upset, though, that all of this information is being released or older interviews are being brought back up. And not that he did it, if that makes any sense. It's more like a, he's sorry he got caught. More so than he's sorry he committed. You know what I mean? I feel like it's maybe that situation. Because he wouldn't have come out on any of this had it not been, you know, released to the media. And then, you know, kind of dispersed all over the world through social media and stuff like that. So I don't think he would have referenced any of this or his letter or anything else but I was kind of wondering too because they are both actors right Ashton is typically known for playing like a duh kind of role right especially early on especially early on in his career so is it possible in the Rosie interview and the MTV punk show he was trying to maintain his duh kind of character behavior of Michael Kelso on the 70s show or like the dipshit in Dude Where's My Car. Was he trying to upkeep that whole bro demeanor, right, that he kind of had going on? And maybe he didn't really mean it because it has come out that he is pretty intelligent. I've seen him on Shark Tank. You know, I saw him speak with Thorne. I saw him testify, you know, in the Senate. So he's not a duh kind of guy, but he really appeared that way in a lot of interviews and earlier on in his career. So it kind of made me wonder, is that what he was trying to do in these interviews? Just upkeep that image, maybe. And then I got to thinking too, did he take the bet because he looked up to Danny as an older mentor, as he alluded to in his letter? And he didn't want to tell him no and maybe look a type of way in front of him. Or did he think doing it was okay because his mentor was the one asking and paying for him to do it? Either way, though, he made the decision to do it and in all likelihood knowing he shouldn't and it was wrong. Now, as far as the information that Chrissy has, <sighs> man, I guess... He better just hope she doesn't accept a book deal or at some point maybe she signed an NDA, although it doesn't sound like it. Even if she did, though, I don't know that it counts if it covers up a crime. Maybe, would it? I don't know. I'm not sure. I would like it if she wrote a book, though. I would be very interested to hear what she had to say about those five years or even after, right? But I don't know. That's my thoughts for today. Thank you for joining me for today's kind of impromptu episode. Um, every other Saturday, I do post about a solved case in my Solved Saturday series. 
every Monday, there's a Mystery Monday episode where I discuss a missing person or an unsolved case. And the first of the month is a History's Mysteries where I talk about a famous or not so famous historical true crime event. So the first episode of that went up on the first of this month. It's the many deaths of Edgar Allan Poe. So be sure to check those out. Follow me so you never miss an episode. If you like what I'm doing and support the podcast, please give me a rating or, you know, share the episode, comment, all of that stuff. It helps a lot and I would greatly appreciate it. I'm just kind of starting out. So any support would be fantastic. And that's all for now. Have a great day and I hope to talk with you again soon.